Hello, Brandon. Hey, Tom. How are you, man? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. So, we've got a wide variety of listener-related topics, but I just want to say one thing. The D&D nights that uh, your friend Art enjoys so much. I am going Uh to be on the East Coast. Now, this might seem a long time away, but I've got to plan this a long time in advance. I'm speaking at a train convention September 2018 in the fine state of New Jersey. My plan is to spend two weeks in the broader kind of East Coast part of the world, and I will make sure that I put on a D&D night in your part of the world with miniatures, dice, rule books, beer, and all the other related accoutrements. I'm taking it on the road. So September <laughs> 2018, there will be a and d game coming to your part of the world. Dude, that's awesome. I'm down. Terrific. So maybe some of the kind of vagabond friends of yours. And um, what's the fellow's name? Dave Bataro? Facebook oh, recommended yeah. that I, uh, he and I be friends, so we are now <laughs> friends. So I'm not sure if he would play D&D, but we're gathering a, a list of possible folk. Yeah, yeah. I, oh, man, so many people would. Very good. Very good. So let's get into this listener topic list because it's pretty overwhelming. Michael Shadley writes, Honestly, love the podcast. Great job. I had a list of questions. Did you guys ever hide toys hoping that they would be there next time you visited the store so you could purchase them? And have you ever come across action figures or other toys another person hid in the store that you then bought? Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah, big time. I always used to hide them, you know, because you didn't have enough money to get them at the time. So you would, would like hide them on top of the shelf, you know, and then come back later and hope they were still there. And, um, oh, man, I always did that. Did you have success with that method? Oh, yeah. A lot of times. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because I, I, I found some up top one time. It was like, oh, man, somebody's hiding them on the top shelf. Mm. I was like, oh, it's such a good idea. And so I started doing it. And they would disappear from time to time. So other people knew. But, you know, uh, oh, I totally did that. And um, I also oh, I've definitely found ones that other people have hid or like, you know, you're going to get like a Star Wars guy or something. And then you're like, wait a second, let me dig around the Hot Wheels over here. And you're like, (laughs) oh, yeah, I see what you're doing. I pick Uh up what you're putting down. But I I got a I got a good one. I was with my buddy when the G.I. Joe 25th anniversaries came out. Mm. And I mean, we were like hound dogs going after those things, man. So, um, you know, we would go into the stores and uh, this one time we go in and it's like towards the end of the run. And and you're sort of just seeing the same old peg warmer sitting there on the shelf. And like we seen this guy, this one figure and we're looking at him. We're like, dude, that's that's not a G.I. Joe. But it's in a G.I. Joe package. Somebody took a G.I. Joe or like like a, not even a G.I. Joe, another figure mm-hmm. and and like painted it and put it in a G.I. Joe card. And they must have hung it on the shelf or returned it or whatever. But we were laughing so bad. And my buddy just couldn't pass it up. So he he took it up front and they scanned it, not knowing any better and, and just charged him for G.I. Joe price. So he bought it. He still got it. <laughs> so that's amazing. That's like communicating within the community. That someone is, yeah. 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 I kind of wish I bought that. I was like, ah, man, you're crazy by that. Now I'm like, ah, oh, that, that's actually the rarest of all of them. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Technically. A fan created DI joke. Was there anything special about it? No, it was hideous, actually. It was, uh-huh. it was like an awful figure. It was like really boring, but it was just, you knew it wasn't right, but we were really looking at it, but they did a really good job of sealing it up. Mm. It was like, <laughs> yeah, the package was pretty flawless. <laughs> How about you? Did you ever do that? Hide stuff or like so come it, across stuff? It's an interesting, it's an interesting phenomena associated with the hiding things. 
there was a local train store in San Francisco that I went to, and I had listeners that would go to this train store as well. And these listeners confided to me that they would hide stuff in the train store in particular areas. And irrespective of whatever time I would go to this train store, the stuff would still be taken. So, like, basically there was, like, multiple hiding people that would go, and it was a really old train store. It was multi-level. And you go to places and things have been complete, as you said, things have been completely rearranged. And stuff was in one place and stuff was in another place. But you could tell that it was heavily picked over. I mean, I think if you're in a combative role, when you're in the process of purchasing something, when you know that there are other people are there hiding stuff, my view is save your money and go there strategically and actually make purchases because the hiding of the stuff it's always risky. Like, it's just a risky endeavour. Adam Sarsky asks, which do you prefer, online shopping and digital music, movie downloads, or going to the store to pick out and try products before you buy them, clothing, electronic devices, etc., and physical copies of music and movies? Myself, I still prefer to go to the stores to buy my products. I still like to buy physical copies of music. What are your thoughts on this, Brandon? Ooh. Yeah, I definitely, definitely like buying physical copies of music. Mm. Um, I do like certain DVDs. I like to buy certain DVDs. I don't buy much, many DVDs anymore. I'll usually just go to Redbox or Netflix or whatever, you know. Mm. Um, I do like Redbox, so I'll go over and get a movie here and there. There's a lot of stuff I do like buying online. Just just bulkier stuff that I know what it is and I have no interest in carrying around the store. I'm like, okay, I'll take that, you know, just ship it on home. If it's like free shipping, I'm like, yeah, but, but you know, I don't know. There's, I, I like to go in the store. I'm definitely a store guy, you know. I love going in like department stores, Kmart's, Target's, yes. all that, you know. I think it's the quality of the stores that you have around you. I mean, certainly my experiences for almost everything – I mean, I used to like secondhand bookstores. I used to like going into secondhand bookstores. And then I found ABE Books Online, which just has, like, every book you'd ever possibly imagine. And I think I do most of my shopping between about 10.30 at night and midnight. And I think that's just the period of time where I could sit down and think, what do I need? What am I missing? What do I need to get? This kind of stuff. So I'm pretty exclusively online. And I'm trying to think. I mean, I've had some pretty bad hobby store experiences in recent weeks. And I've always, you know, I always return to shopping <laughs> online. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a, there's a ton of stuff that's just so convenient. Although I was talking today, um, with my dad about like online grocery shopping. Mm. And I, I see a, a neighbor, they always have like a delivery mm-hmm. from, from, from the uh, supermarket. And I've never done it, but I'm like, how do you know? Like, I want to go to the store and be like, I want that apple. Or I want that bag of grapes. It's <laughs> you know, difficult. Like- yeah, that thing. We started doing that when we were in the UK. In fact, we were the first to do it in our area. So we were part of some focus group, which was a very, it's very scary when you put, you start something new and then you're forced <laughs> into a room with a bunch of other people that you're doing, that are doing the same behavior. And you realize that they're all dangerous freaks. And you're just kind of looking around at these people that complain about like a broken egg and this kind of stuff. And you're just like, yeah, let me out of this room. But it was a, a two and a half hour focus group. I don't think we got any benefit out of it. I, we, we ebb and flow. I mean, I think for certain things, as you say, fruits and vegetables, but also just kind of eclectic food shopping. I mean, this is actually one area where I do actually enjoy going to a store occasionally. Cheese, this kind of stuff, fruits and vegetables. 
Yeah, you know, it varies greatly. I'm a fan of growing my own wherever possible. But uh, yeah, certainly there are certain things in the supermarket that you just need to handle and get a sense of. And particularly, you know, when things are in season, this kind of stuff. So definitely, definitely. Yeah. So Dave Smith asks, now Dave Smith is a different Dave Smith, funnily enough, but there's a Dave Smith that also plays D&D with Art and myself. So I'm, not sure if it's, I'm pretty sure it's not the same guy unless he has two Facebook accounts and this is a different Facebook account. Anyway, first question, favorite ice cream? It's funny you said that because I'm thinking Dave Smith sounds like an ice hockey goalie name. Mm. <laughs> and, of course, he's talking about ice cream. Favorite ice cream? Oh, coffee's pretty good, dude. Mm. Uh, what particular mint- kind of coffee, though? Like, there are so many different varieties of coffee. Do you have a particular brand that does coffee? Uh, yeah, you know, I like Turkey Hill. Mm. I, I, I used to – I grew up liking Briars. I like mm-hmm. Turkey Hill. And um, there's a local one around here. I can't even think of the name now. It's like this big plastic tub. It is like, I mean, you, you can feel the fat oozing out of your skin. You know, it's mm. so flavorful. <laughs> mm. But um, yeah, a coffee, mint chocolate chip, and uh, tin roof. <laughs> Dude, I, I love tin roof, man. Tin roof. <laughs> yeah. Okay. These, How are about all, you? these are all regional ice cream varieties. I mean, I'm, I even flow. I'm a big strawberry with bits in it kind of guy. I, I like coffee ice cream too. Don't get me wrong. But there are so many distinctions. Um, you're probably not familiar with this because this is a regional ice cream, but there's something called It's It, which is like a two cookies with ice cream in between chocolate coated. It's basically a an ice cream cookie sandwich with chocolate around it, which is a kind of Bay Area classic. We went to an It's It outlet recently out in the middle of nowhere, and they had a cappuccino It's It, which is just like, a, I guess, a coffee ice cream sandwich with chocolate around it. That was pretty good. But I, there's too much, there's too much variation in coffee ice cream. Like if I'm at a gelato bar, like it's made in front of me or this kind of stuff, I will always order the coffee without question. But just in general, strawberry with bits in it. Personal theories on why everything older is made better. Materials, music, movies, tools, characters, comedy, toys, etc. And why everything has slowly gone to shit and continues to get worse. What do you do to keep sane in a world of mediocrity and mundane? Oh, yeah, it does seem that way. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't even get anything new half the time. Mm. You know, um, I still have a tape with the wire in it in my car, in my truck, because it has a tape deck. <laughs> but the tape thing is so crappy. I'd kill for just an auxiliary input. Yes. I have a number of theories about why things are getting progressively worse. I think there's a kind of safety, security related thing. And obviously, vast quantities of hallucinogens that kind of impacted the 1960s and then presented like gritty music and all this kind of strange stuff, which moved through, as we've comfortably discussed, into the 1980s. So I think the kind of nanny state and the overprotective aspects of a variety of things in society have just sterilized things down to the point where nothing is dangerous, nothing is risky, everything's kind of, you know, sterilized. I mean, music, I think, is one of the worst examples of this. That It just really has lost so much grit and energy and passion, and now, I don't know, it's a strange it thing. It sucks. Yeah. <laughs> It really sucks. Yeah. I guess I'm just getting old, but, but it sure feels like it really sucks, dude. I mean, movies are created by focus groups now, and they're like multinationals come in and they put down their money and they 
they make sure that they have like the closest thing that they can get to a blockbuster which is derivative like no one takes risks i mean i think there are just so many overthought over manufactured you're so rarely dealing with one person's like angry idea that they've just kind of forced through into the world you've got just so much sterilization i reflect on this very heavily frequently dave smith you've hit a chord with this particular topic yeah (laughs) dave also asks how do we deal with criticism from friends and family over the years for playing with toys video games etc and living in the past i'll let you start with that one oh i just don't call them back (laughs) <laughs> about that yes uh no um i i think all this the my friends and you know everybody i hang out with they're all the same people i went to high school with and middle mm. school with and we all like the same things you know um mm. so you know yeah we don't i don't ever want to hear anybody's opinion on music you know like most of my, none of us listen to the same stuff you know so i don't even i'm like yeah whatever but uh yeah, we all typically sort of like the same movies, you know. Mm-hmm. We, we kind of dislike the same things, you know. Um, I don't know. It's it's yeah. No one really. I, I'm probably the farthest behind with video games, which is like embarrassing to say because I was such a big gamer. Mm-hmm. But now it's like in the last like five years, I'm like I don't even know what's going on. <laughs> I'm gone, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'm like an artifact with video games. So yeah. So a lot of my friends have moved on, but um. Yeah, I don't know. How about you? I mean, I I live the life of a recluse in large part through choice. I mean, I like meeting people. I like doing this kind of stuff. But my view is the world, the world is just a different thing. Like, it's not something that I feel I need to force my opinions on. And my opinions just stay with me. And associated with family in particular, I need to spend in the order of $3,000 in order to go and visit my family. And typically I pay it more frequently than they pay it. Another interesting thing is I found, we were talking about childhood friends, I found in the area that I grew up around my family, like literally a couple of streets over, I like to cultivate friends that I can go and visit when I spend time with my family. And typically one one particular couple, I sent them a board game in advance because I knew I was going to be spending time with my family, I needed to get away, I needed to go out and play a board game. And I knew this guy liked early variations of the board game. The board game's Blood Bowl, for folks that are interested, which will come up as another topic if we get to it this evening. Oh. And anyway, <laughs> so I I ditched my family. I just said, ah, you know, you guys go do what you're doing, and I'll go and uh, play a game of Blood Bowl with my friends. And it was funny, actually, the fellow I've known longer than his wife, but his wife got into a cheerleader outfit, and it was all very strange, and started bringing around snacks while we were playing Blood Bowl. I just thought... This is very <laughs> curious. This, I guess, I mean, who was I talking with recently? Yeah, I've got, I've got a listener of Bottle Royale Radio where whenever we go over to visit on his layout, his wife will bring out, like, wine and cheese and just start serving us this wine and cheese. Very surreal to be in these circumstances. So, yeah, in answer to Dave Smith, the way I deal with uh, friends and family is I just pick friends and... Uh, I seed opportunities to escape when I'm around my family. That seems to be the answer to that question. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm more friends with stores mm. and objects <laughs> than actual people, so I feel yes. you on the recluse thing. <laughs> very good, very good. Josh Hartman, he says, First off, big fan of the podcast. I thank you for putting it out. Provides great listening for my long drives into work. A couple of topics for the next one. 
You talk about 80s pop culture a lot. Can you guys cast your ultimate 80s movie? Cast it? Yes. I, I've only just read this question in context. I just sped around, but what's your ultimate <laughs> 80s? I know he actually says, can you guys cast your ultimate 80s movie? No. <laughs> They're already perfectly casted. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, actually. It's I, don't interesting. Think, I don't want to. I'd probably butcher it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Stallone has to be in yours, I'm assuming. I'm assuming it's a Stallone movie. I, you, know, I, you know, I don't want to mix too many awesome people like the mm. Expendables do. It's like, I, I, I don't like the Expendables. <laughs> yeah, I do like Stallone, but I like Schwarzenegger too. Mm. I was watching The Predator recently. In terms of a cast, The Predator has, I think, probably... And the funny thing was, I sat down on the couch, I, I put it on iTunes... And my wife immediately came and sat next to me and she had never seen the predator previously. So she kind of funked up the experience a little bit. Like, you know, these lines are outlandish and all this kind of stuff. And the special effects are really poor and this kind of stuff. The in predator? predator? Yes. Oh, dude, for shame. I know. <laughs> Those are like still cutting edge, man. Exactly. To say. Damn yeah. skippy. Damn <laughs> skippy. So now my view is the predator. Like if you want in terms of 1980s cast, I think The Predator is the ultimate 1980s movie in terms of the cast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's so awesome. Dude, Carl Weathers is so freaking awesome, man. I'm like, yes. And and he's the bad guy. I'm like, dude, it's so awesome. Well, he's the bad-ish guy. He's like the government agent that's just getting them there to do a bunch of stuff. He's not, like, down and out evil. He's just manipulative. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's not the Predator. <laughs> he's not the Predator. <laughs> he's surely not the Predator. Yes. Dude, I only saw Predator 2, like, mm, three or four years ago. Mm. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to face that one. It wasn't too bad. Uh, nah, I don't know. I blocked but, uh, it from my memory. I've seen it, but I just can't. Very similar to uh, other films. I've seen it, but I just can't. I remember there was, like, a raster guy in it and a few other things. But, like, nothing competes with the original. No, so, no. The- yeah. I thought the newest one was 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 probably you know I like the original and then the newest one which is I think Predators, mm. uh, Adrian Brody's in it which I couldn't believe was going to be good but I was actually like this isn't bad so a lot more Predators in it so it was mm. cool. Mm. I like Mono A Crabo. I mean I just think one Predator, one Schwarzenegger coming together that just has to be the way it is. Josh Hartman also asks. Have either of you seen the documentary King of Kong? And if so, your thoughts on it, please. No, I, everyone's told me to watch it, and I, I can't believe I you've never seen it. I don't even care to see it. <laughs> That's sorry. interesting. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, because you probably know a bunch of the characters in it, right? I, um, I don't. Maybe I, I don't know. I. It's like I don't care. I don't want to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I just uh, I don't I don't want to watch. There's so many other things I got to watch, and I'm like, Fair Shit, I'm, I'm not watching Donkey Kong. I, I, I watched I watched a thing about the guy, the snake game, where the the eating the snake gets longer and longer and longer. And that, oh, that a, game, yeah, that has a lot of the same characters or same you know people as King of Kong. The thing about King of Kong is it's actually really quite a negative film. Like it's just basically down on. The arcade hierarchies and all this kind of stuff. And I mean, I think it's, it's, it's a hip interpretation of that whole thing. But I mean, for me, I don't know. I didn't find it particularly offensive. I have a friend who wants to be, we're now, I should point out to our listener base that wants to get even more involved than just asking us questions. 
I'm now conducting listener interviews as a means of filling in for Brandon and my hectic social schedules. <laughs> so, yeah. if, if you want to be one of these people, I have a, a friend and co-worker and part of D&D Night, Derek, who is a rabid Attic Aficionados fan, who also restores video games. And he oh, has he demanded does? that he come on and be one of the uh, listener interviews. So, when I get him on, I'm sure he's going to have a lot to say about King of Kong. Oh, spare me. No, I, I don't know. I never liked Donkey Kong. Mm. And uh, I think there's a guy in that who has like the – maybe he's got like the one of the higher records for Punch-Out. Mm. I think I met him. But um, I would definitely watch the one on Snake because mm. I had I had a – I guess it was a Nokia that had Snake on it. Mm-hmm. And um, I it didn't even – somebody gave it to me and it didn't even work. I mean it was before I even had a cell phone, but I had it for Snake and I played that thing like crazy. And in television back in the day, the system in television mm-hmm. two had a game called Snafu, which was mm-hmm. just Snake. Um, but it was awesome. I, yeah. So I, when that came out, I was like, oh, dude, Snafu is on phones now. I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know what else real quick? There is a film. I don't even know what it's called because I don't remember any of this stuff. But it's about the Atari cartridges getting mm-hmm. buried. You know what mm-hmm. I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. About? No, I've seen that one. Yeah. That's awesome. I yeah. was like. Dude, I, now that's good. I was like, oh, I ate that up, man. This thing was awesome. George R. R. Martin features in that. In fact, that's how I know he has a DeLorean. Throwback to previous Attic Aficionados recording. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> no, that's that's a classic, that one right there. Lots of Bay Area folk in that one as well. It's funny, actually, through, through Model Rail Radio, more than anything, I meet a bunch of people that not, like were original Atari, you know, people. And it's a funny... It's a funny community because obviously you've got the, uh, what's the fellow's name? The Atari guy who went on to do Chuck E. Cheese. Oh, uh, Woz? No, no, Woz wasn't Woz. I will get to the Woz stories, folks, but not didn't quite he do yet. So- didn't he, he did. do something he, with he Chuck E. Cheese? He, no, no, no. The fellow, who, um, am I going to have to use Wikipedia here? No, don't uh, do it, Thomas. What is the guy's name? Don't do it. It'll come near. Just like the earlier topic. <laughs> it will, it will. You, you are not breaking your brain this evening. Come on, come on, come on. Oh, don't tell me all this crap about where's the nearest Chuck E. Cheese. I want to know the guy's name. Damn it. What don't go shopping name? online. Don't do it. Nolan Bushnell. Oh. Did Nolan you remember Bushnell. it? Did you look no, it up? I've got Chuck E. Cheese's Wikipedia page in front of me. <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese. Oh, my goodness. Nolan Bushnell is a legend in the Bay Area because, as you say, he gave was one of his early breaks. And I don't know. Atari is a interesting phenomena. And uh, that is an interesting documentary of which name I cannot remember either. Speaking of video games, actually, this is a topic that has filtered into my topic list. Maybe two or three recordings ago, we were talking about our video games ideas, like if we had the opportunity to do video games. I've actually oh, returned yeah. to Noble Warfare in my late evenings or something to work on, so that may be coming out in some form sometime soon. But you had a video game idea, which you said you would not reveal on the podcast, and then literally, like, a minute after the podcast ended, I had an email with a voicemail attachment from you explaining what the game was. Like, you couldn't contain yourself. You had to <laughs> explain to me what the game was. For the listening audience, introduce your game. Well, no, I've had a lot of games, but there was – I always liked um, – what was it? Road Rage. Mm. And there's never been – at least I don't know. I'm sure there is. But um, yes, other people oh, – I don't even know what that one is with the ice cream truck with a clown on it. Oh, yeah. I, I know that one. But, yeah. 
Yeah, it's not that, but I um I just think it would be really cool if you had um cars racing mm-hmm. on a track, a set track, you know, like mm-hmm. NASCAR, and but you had a group of like four guys in a car, mm-hmm. and you had the driver. But then the other three could like get out, climb on the car and just unload on other guys with like machine guns and mm-hmm. grappling hooks and jump onto the other car and like really have like groups playing like that. Certainly. But, um, you know, it's just along those lines. And the funny thing was that this actually is a series of games. I mean, it's interesting that the whole trajectory associated with this, because obviously you've got the original Mad Max, which wasn't racetracks, but was basically that idea. And then obviously the entire Mad Max franchise. But Within board games, there are games called Dark Future and Car Wars that were put out by, I think, Games Workshop or Games Workshop Derivatives, which I remember getting Matchbox cars. And this would have been when I was about 11, 12. You get Matchbox cars and then you glue on machine guns and various other things. And then you, it's not, you can do it around like a traditional track, uh, but most of it's associated with like the open roads and this kind of stuff. So this is very much a genre of games, and I recommended a friend of mine plays an online open source version of this that I won't mention on this podcast. In fact, it didn't even make my notes because it's not... <laughs> I think I showed you the page and we both like reeled in disgust associated with this <laughs> open source offering of this thing. But it's actually like part of game consciousness, this idea of having people in cars operating, as you say, grappling hooks and machine guns and jumping out with chainsaws and this kind of stuff. But when I was thinking of board games, I wanted to give an honourable mention. I mentioned it already once this recording to Blood Bowl because I think Blood Bowl is the ultimate combination sports game. I can't remember whether chainsaws are explicitly included in like the general Blood Bowl rules, but the idea of taking the best of football... I mean, it's it's fantasy football because before there was fantasy football, fundamentally. It's taking orcs and goblins and dwarves and all these kind of fantasy races tolkien-esque races and putting them on a football field and letting them kill each other so have you experienced blood bowl previously never never oh my goodness no It, it has come i have a sealed in plastic new edition blood bowl box that i'm looking at currently and this was actually the game that i sent to my friend in australia so i could go and play it once while i was in australia the game as it's sold currently is humans versus orcs and the physical stature of the orcs means that they just basically decimate the human players. If you play for that, I play that the ball's incidental and you just try to kill the opposing team, but you can get a wide variety of other races and it's so, what's the term? Almost Baroque. It's so boutique. Boutique is the term I'm thinking for that. There are third party manufacturers in Europe that make all different kinds of races and all different kinds of, like, giants and undead and demons and all this kind of stuff. So it's a very elaborate thing that Games Workshop is re-categorizing. But I would certainly recommend... And, of course, there are a bunch of video games associated with Blood Bowl as well. So. And this is this is a board game, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a board game which is basically like a... What I would call a gridiron pitch, an American football uh, field. Um, and some of the variations... I think there was a variation called Dungeon Bowl where you had, like, pits with spikes in it and a bunch of other things. I've seen variations where people put, um, what are they, like, landmines and things on the football field. I mean, it's basically taking your idea of NASCAR but putting it in a standard football context and just allowing all kinds of mayhem to exist. 
Are you are you making this up? Is this an attempt to get me to go online and look it up on Wikipedia? I don't think you need to. What I will do is actually, <laughs> I, I, I'm willing to actually send you a copy of this game so you can actually discover it firsthand. Because I think it's one of these games where, so it took me about, I don't know, maybe, well, I, I played it historically. I mean, I knew the game. So when I played it with my friend, but he, my friend was absolutely obsessed with this game. I mean, basically, he had the first edition, the second edition, a cobbled together version of the second edition. He and another friend of mine had a huge falling out. They both bought the box together. And then my one friend who stayed with me gave the, some of the figures to another guy who did all these like elaborate conversions involving popsicle sticks and other things. And basically, the game came back to my friend who I played with in Australia wrecked. Oh. But he still has all the pieces and stuff. So... He was, I knew I was going to play a game Blood Bowl with him. But the thing, I, what I need to show you actually, which is considerably more elaborate and will take more time, is the links that the Europeans go to to make these elaborate Blood Bowl teams. They're not Blood Bowl, like authorized Blood Bowl, but they're Blood Bowl teams with a variety of like different eclectic stuff. The undead ones where they're literally like skeletons and zombies and werewolves and things like this. I mean, there are some amazing teams out there. And there are probably, I don't know, there are half a dozen YouTube folk that I follow who buy from these European manufacturers and assemble just these really bizarre looking, bizarrely themed teams as well. Like one is like a, a beer drinking goblin team where they're all like, I don't know, connected. Like there's one guy who makes, who like fires up a grill and cooks hot dogs on the field. You know, <laughs> and it's just, it's just completely outside the realms of like standard thought but in a game form and games workshop is trying to recategorize this they're trying to reformalize it they're re-releasing a bunch of stuff they've changed some of the scales of the figures and the pitch but the the fan base for this thing i don't know i've just got to put it out there and if anyone who's listening in knows about this thing as well i'm going to be getting brandon a bunch of links the european the one thing i'll say about the european things is they're pretty expensive a standard European team would cost you 99 euros. Now, thankfully, Games Workshop's coming out with like $20 box sets of teams currently. So the European ones are elaborate. They're made of metal. They do like a bunch of eclectic casting and stuff. I think it's pretty... It was in underground for a number of years. Games Workshop actually released the rules free and open source, and I had the rules via that for a period of time. But yeah, it's um, it's a real game. It's a real game. Car Wars and Dark Future, these kind of games, they will set you back more because they are really more collector's items now. But Blood Bowl kind of went open source for a period of time. People started making their own figures, and it's just a different thing. Yeah, it sounds awesome. I want to check it out. <laughs> I will provide links following this recording. Oh, I know it. I know it. Okay. Hey, listen, any <laughs> listeners out there that think it takes too long to start a game like a video game when you go to play a video game <laughs> i sympathize with you because i've been trying to buy games on the apple tv and i'm like oh my god it takes like 30 minutes i'm like i, I don't have an hour man the I'm tutorials like <laughs> as well the game tutorials are just so i i suffer through the games on the apple tv as well mainly through the tutorials like i think i know how to fly a jet fighter in some kind of simulation game give me a controller let me bounce off a few things a few times, but I'm pretty sure I can fire missiles and fly a thing. I don't need to go through a 20-minute tutorial to teach me how to do that. Oh, dude, car games, it's like uh, you can buy a real car faster than, than pick. I'm like, I don't need to pick out all the colors. Let's go! <laughs> I'm like, come yes. on, man. Okay, I just had to get that out. Very good. Very good. <laughs> 
So Paul Brian Hancock provides a number of topics. I was going to take them piecemeal, and I wasn't sure whether we'd get to them. Before I get to Paul Brian Hancock's epic set of questions, though, I want to throw out Corey Dennis's questions. Favorite sitcoms? Oh, Benny Hill. Is that a sitcom? Yeah, I actually had to look up what sitcoms were because I was like, <laughs> what, 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 "It's just TV." Any excuse to get on Wikipedia? No, I just like this is TV. What the hell is a sitcom in the context? Exactly as you're saying. Technically, I don't know if Benny Hill, like Benny Hill, was in the list of like the top 100 sitcoms. But yeah, I I don't know. It, it's a genre that I think is forgettable in nature. The, I've I've actually started charting. Like, what time in my life... This is too much time on my hands. What time in my life I like what sitcoms and the reasons why. I had a huge text file document that I've since destroyed. Sitcoms are sitcoms are sitcoms. Second question. Favorite weapons? Nunchucks. Mm, Interesting. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) Nunchucks by far. Yeah. Mm. Nunchucks and then, um, like, a bow. Mm. You know? Mm. Not a bow staff. Not a bow staff. I understand. Okay. (laughs) I go through phases with weapons. I go through phases. And actually, for the longest period of time through my childhood, I was obsessed with crossbows. Yeah. I made crossbows. Obviously, I made bows as a boy. And then I got really interested in, like, metallurgy and, like, the different, like, metals that they use and different techniques that they used in swords. And then I went through an axes phase. And I don't know. It's like the weather. It changes dramatically. Yeah, there's some cool axes. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. Corey also asks, favorite soda? Piece of cake. You want to go first? Again, I'm... uh, Look, I've got to say, Bundaberg uh, ginger (laughs) beer. um, Light. I like the reduced sugar version of that. That's... That would be my pick. What is it called? Bundaberg what? It's Bundaberg... You can buy it here. It's like a ginger beer ginger ale... And it's from Bundaberg, which is a region in Australia where they finally have grow sugar cane. So really it's for the rum. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's a ginger beer. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, Pennsylvania Dutch birch beer. Very good. Yes. And then Barks. Barks. Oh, yeah. Barks. Oh, yes. Yeah. Mm, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I love Barks, man. Oh, not cream soda. That's the complete opposite. <laughs> I'll bark if I drink cream soda. It's interesting. disgusting. Interesting. Yeah. You don't yeah. like cream soda. Oh, dude, it's so disgusting. I go through phases, but I must agree. I'm I'm in an out of cream soda phase currently. Corey <laughs> wants us to talk about Corey. Who does? Us, Who does? Corey Dennis. Corey oh, Dennis, yeah. the asker of these questions. Let's return to the the listener. Let's do it. He, he wants us to talk about Fago and Juggalos. Are you aware of this phenomenon? Well, this That's is where the it gets insane very clown posse, right? That's the insane clown posse. Yes, yes. the juggalos. I know. It, yeah. Okay. I knew that. What was the first word? Fago, which is their um, uh, soda of choice. It's like oh. a Midwest soda called Fago. I, is it all different flavors? Yeah, it's all different flavors. It's like grape, and I think there's a watermelon and a variety of eclectic flavors. The owner of Fago has disowned any connection with the clown posse folk. I have a, I have a few things to say here. My perspective is, as you have, as I have, anyone who has spat uneducated lyrics over an ill-gotten beat realises that the Insane Clown Posse represent a last hope. That no matter what state I am, I can put out music and I will be able to get a fan base at some level. And the thing I like about the Juggalos is actually the quality of the documentaries associated with the Juggalos. If you ever have 6 to 12 hours on youtube and you want nothing better to do 
start watching. In fact, I interviewed a fellow who had gone and spent, they have the gathering of jugglers, which is like their annual festival. And there are about 50 documentaries based on this festival on YouTube of a variety of different levels. Some are highbrow, some are lowbrow. It's a good way to invest time. And yes, in terms of the quality of music and the quality of lyrics and the quality of scientific understanding that you will get listening to Insane Clown Posse songs, it's a footnote, I think. Yeah, I don't know enough about it. I'd have to go listen to it. Mm. But I'm still lost way in the past, Thomas. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still looking for Woolworths. I found Woolworths in like England, but I don't think it's the same store. No, they have one in, I think the one in Australia has finally gone out of business. Woolworths, where I grew up, was just like, it was the slightly overpriced grocery store. Yeah. That had these really kind of strange eclectic ads, which I think actually borrowed from the UK version of the same store. And, Yes, it uh, it owned a particularly large part of my childhood because it was when I was in a slightly more affluent area and I needed to go and get something. I would have to go into Woolworths and deal with Woolworths accordingly. But here it's um it's like a department store, right, or a lower department store. Yeah, it's like a like a mini Kmart, mm. but they have like um well Kmart used to have lunch cafes and mm-hmm. and like pretty you know. You could go get extra like servers and stuff would come over. At least the one by me it had it, you know, like a full full service lunch luncheonette or whatever. But mm. um, yeah, Woolworths would have like a lunch counter. The one by me was it was really small. But then there's like it's funny you can get like a sandwich, you can go buy a mouse, and then you can get like GI Joes and socks like all in the same building. <laughs> there's mm. like there's like pets like right around the corner from the food. But um, yeah, like the like birds. a physical mouse. You could go oh, buy yeah, a yeah. physical mouse. Yeah, birds. There's always yeah. like you'd hear the birds going crazy in the back, and then goldfish. They always had goldfish and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I don't know, just like uh, you know, like a like a like a mini Kmart, I guess, real real small, like the size of like a, a Rite Aid or something like that. You know, would came would Kmart's near you had sell animals? No, that's the only different thing. Okay. They would they didn't sell any kind of animals, but but yeah. everything else was sort of the kind of the same. Um, I can't even think like what they had had that different except for the animals. But yeah. yeah, it was cool. I always liked Woolworths. Yeah, the whole nature of buying animals. I don't think I've ever paid money for an animal. Like they just turn up. Yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah, I know. And like, then they're my yeah. pets, right? So I mean, yeah, it is interesting the nature of. I don't think we've ever paid money for an animal in like our adult lives. I mean, obviously no. we paid vet bills. But we not actually yeah. paid for the initial acquisition of the animal. So, yeah, I guess that whole experience is just something that's slightly alien to me. Anyway, interesting. Yeah, I'm the same way. I'm like, oh, they just find me or I find them. Yeah. <laughs> they look pathetic on the front door for five days running, and then you start feeding them, and then they come in the house. Yes, that's the way it works. Paul Brian Hancock has a number of topics. I'm going to try and do this rapid fire, and if we find topics that we could dive into, we will dive into them accordingly. I'm going to answer as fast as I can. Okay. Electronics kits. Electronics kits? Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. You never did that. You never sold (laughs) stuff together and built amplifiers and Morse code sets and things like that? No. It was a large part of my childhood. I've bought some of the books that come from it. You can't do that anymore. There's nothing like that in the foreseeable universe. There are a few places where you can buy switches and boxes still. If you want to be soldering resistors and diodes and things like that... You need to go back to the 1980s because you're not going to be very happy now. My first computer, that is Paul Brian Hancock's suggested topic. Oh, Texas Instrument TI-9899? Mm. You know what that is? Yes, I do. 
Yes, yeah. I do. And I have is programming it, books for it somewhere. Yeah. Is it 9.9 or 9.8? Uh, I can't I, remember. I think it's 9.9. I don't know. Parsec, Munchman. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. There's a math thing, the voice simulator. Okay, they were awesome. Press fire to begin. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I love Parsec, dude. How about mm. you? Uh, I bought an XT and I had it for literally like two hours. And I went out to do something and my mother got my brothers to destroy it. Oh. And when I came back, it, my brother, I came back and I saw my brother scoring some motherboard and working to my childhood, Brandon. There's a reason it's repressed. And then oh. the next one I got was actually the family computer when we got a Mac, but that one I had to write antiviral software for because I wasn't allowed to put discs in it and a variety of other things. But yeah, that experience with that computer. <sighs> there's a good reason that there's an ocean between me and Australia. Anyway, uh, next <laughs> question. Alice in Wonderland. Nah, not for me. Interesting. I go through ebbs and flows. I think uh, for its time, fascinating. If you've ever had a really heavy hallucinogenic fever, uh, which I have had on a few occasions, I do understand Alice in Wonderland. It's something. It's a footnote. They took a lot of drugs. They wrote the book. That's what it is. Pocket knives. As I as I speak to you, I have a pocket knife in my hand. Pocket knives. Oh, dude. Yeah, I got a pocket knife. I probably got four within like an arm's reach. Uh, Super, super thin. I don't care the brand name. I like them super thin. As thin as I can get that I make that clear. Um, And then I got another one that's like, dude, it's literally like one inch. And it was like passed on to me. Yeah. Yeah, Hand me down pocket knives. Hand me down pocket knives. Definitely got a few of those. My wife's grandmother passed me on a few. I started watching on YouTube. I don't know how I got into this thing. But I, I got, look, this is the sound effect. The, I've started going for like really long blade flick knife like things, which you can buy on Amazon for two bucks. And they're really meaty and they've got the horrible like belt clip crap and this kind of stuff. But for just holding in the hand as you're recording a podcast, they work very well. The best thing I've ever bought. Let me say that again. The best thing I've ever bought. <laughs> Go ahead. So, oh, no, no, no. This is a topic. Oh, oh, I thought you were about oh, to no, say something. I was no. grabbing my pocket knife. Here's my sound. Oh, Chris. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Chris. <laughs> One more time for you. It's a Winchester. Oh. <laughs> um, okay. The best what I ever bought? The best thing you've ever bought. Oh, Crockmaster, G.I. Joe. Or the, oh, I didn't buy the ad at. Somebody gave that to me. Yeah, Crockmaster. Got to be Crockmaster. Oh my goodness. Again, similarly, uh, a figure that I, I bought it recently in box. A bunch of friends got together. We all threw our money in. I bought, uh, this miniature when I was 12. It arrived. Finding it, but they, they break it up when they send it to you. So you just get the individual figures. Finding it in box. This was a long time coming. Or the Fidel Castro squad, which actually I mentioned on another podcast and a guy sent me 10 of them <laughs> just out of the blue. It's it's a little dwarf-like character, modern kind of militaristic dwarf that looks like Fidel Castro. He's got a cigar stuck in his teeth, and he's just like a mean-looking miniature dude. Anyway. Yeah. Best That's... gift I've ever received as a topic. Ooh. Man. Okay, so my wife took me, put a, put a bl- gave me a blindfold, put a blindfold on me, and to get in the car, and... uh she gave me a, a six pack. This is like 
this is like early 2000s. Wow. I'm like, all right. And so I was, I'm killing the six pack and I'm dri- and we're driving and she doesn't tell me where we are. And then we finally get there. We're at the Flyers stadium and she reaches in the bag and says, here you go. And hands me my Calgary Flames jersey. And we had like great seats to the Calgary Flames game. I was like, this is freaking awesome, dude. <laughs> I was like, yes, that was pretty, pretty awesome. Right. Um, but also I got Spidor for mm. my birthday which is uh, the He-Man giant mm-hmm. spider thing. And mm. I remember just that was that was freaking awesome, too. All right, Thomas, mm. your turn. I've already talked about this. Receiving Public Enemy, Fear of a Black Planet, and also NWO Straight Out of Compton, obviously taken from the records, put on a tape, passed to me by my uncle one Christmas day. This has been a life-changing gift as far as I'm concerned. I couldn't even think of another gift when this was referenced as a topic. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, this nice, I think nice. is for me, but we might throw it out for you as well. The, co- the topic is toy soldiers, which brands are good, eras you like, etc. I'll start. Well, I mean, if we if we move to action figures as well, this might be something you contribute. Let's take it as action figures from your perspective, Brandon. No, it's got to be toy soldiers. Okay. <laughs> you're throwing it back to me or you're offering something? Well, no. Uh, I don't know. Uh, the best era of, of action figures is like mm-hmm. the early eight, like, oh, well, actually, I think like eight, 84, 86, mm-hmm. right around there. Um, but you know what? I like the, uh, toy soldiers. I don't think they're really toy soldiers, but they're the figures mm-hmm. that come with the game crossbows and catapults. Mm-hmm. They're little like Vikings and, um, mm-hmm. Uh, like beekeeper looking guys. <laughs> I think they're barbarians or something. So yeah, I, that that's that's mine. So in terms of modern figures like Taliban and Iraqis and folks like that, I like a company called the Assault Group or Tag. And there are a bunch of people that make figures in this region, but I think they're my favourite. Okay, I, I got into them early, and I got they had a early Bin Laden, which I picked up and up in my attic somewhere. Hence the name of the podcast. Um, I'm interested in Citadel Miniatures made 1988 through to 1990. And I'm interested in a very specific subset of miniatures, uh, primarily made by a fellow called Kev Adams, who, as far as I'm concerned, just clearly, and I know this well because I've tried to commission miniatures from the guy, psychonaut extraordinaire, completely on a different level, he was beaten up in his house about three or five years ago now. Someone came in to rob him, beat him up, nearly knocked out one of his eye sockets. He has started making miniatures again. I put about, I don't know, I bought an obscene number of his figures uh, recently. I was at the Kickstarter, which arrived literally last week. I've been taking them out individually and just staring at them. Uh, predominantly goblins and just like goblins unlike you could possibly imagine uh, but within the games workshop range anything associated with chaos anything associated with, they had a um africa core based orc themed stuff amazing stuff they had a bunch of like um platoon themed zombies so like with the helmets and the vietnam era stuff just a bunch of eclectic stuff my tastes are eclectic and broad and um, Toy soldiers now are unbelievably expensive and they're getting more and more expensive and the stuff that I like is getting more and more expensive. So I'm reducing my addiction. I have almost everything that I'll ever need and that's the wrap on toy soldiers. Very nice. What do you like about where you live? Brandon? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> no, no, I like everything. Yeah, I like the seasons for sure. Mm. Um, I like the stores definitely, mm-hmm. of, of 
course, I like the stores. And I like how, like, um, you can kind of, if you want to go film something, like, mm-hmm. in this actual county, you can pretty much film a- any any place in the world. You can find the backdrop for it. You don't even have to do mm-hmm. anything. It's it's right there. So I guess I always like that. Yeah. I, I And I also like the, the um, how close it is to the Jersey Shore and stuff. Hmm. Yeah, I wish it was a hair closer to Adelaide. <laughs> you are on the opposite end of the earth, unfortunately. Oh. Alas, alas. <laughs> and how about you? I like my garden. Webby peppers, tomatoes. My garden is my sanctuary. That's what I like about my part of the world. Uh, we live in a really old house and it's kind of big. Not quite as big as your house, but it's kind of big. And yeah, as soon as I step out the front door, I'm in the world with the world's problems. But my back garden is my sanctuary. How are your webby peppers doing? Growing slowly. I've got secondary leaves on some of them. I've bro- I I think every single one sprouted. So basically, the trick was water them heavily and then don't water them for about three days, and then they just like pew, came up. So yeah, I think every single one sprouted. So I have about I've had to cull a few of them because I put them like double seeded in in punnet pots. Um, I have about, I don't know, maybe high teens and I'm giving four to a coworker who comes to D&D night. Art wouldn't take any. I was very surprised. I offered him fruit, I offered them the plants, not interested. Gardening, maybe not his thing. So yeah, I've got a bunch of them, but they're growing, uh, chilies grow slowly for me. So I'm used to, they kind of get to a point where the root mass takes over. How are yours looking? No, there, that only the one came up oh, and it man. hasn't, oh yeah, I know. And it's like they're in like sort of sun and mm. it's rained good. I'm like, mm. I, don't, I don't even think. Yeah, nothing. So I, I created the environment for them. I put them in my greenhouse for a period of time and watered them heavily. And then I put them out in direct sun and just dried them out, basically, because that's I've had that technique with some chili seeds. They'll only sprout after you give them like a couple of days of serious drying. I don't know what actually goes on with the seeds. But um, yeah, I need to I need to get in contact with Lee Webb and I'll probably do it through art or some other mechanism. My anticipation is that they will grow very differently here than they do in Pennsylvania. But, well, I'll keep a photo essay. I'll keep sending you the shots. Yeah, let me know. I have a lot of video of um, all different, like, after I pickle them, before I pickle mm-hmm. them, you know, and, and the plants. And mm-hmm. I used to just take a lot of photos of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I'm going to see Lee tomorrow. He's having trouble pairing his iPhone with his watch. I guess mm-hmm. I already sent him a watch. <laughs> but, but you know what? So okay, so let me ask you about the seeds. So I planted mm-hmm. them, like when I told you, mm-hmm. and nothing, nothing's really happening. So are the seeds dead? Can I still go water them? Should I dig them up? No, Should no, I forget no, I about keep, them? I keep watering them. My view actually is uh, with these kind of chilies. I have periodically. I don't think I've ever had previous season chilies, but I've certainly had like six weeks potentially where I've just had these chilies pop up. And actually, for these ones, because I had them in the punnet pots, I weeded them initially, so weeded out the double peppers. But secondary peppers have come up, so I must have chucked three seeds in some of them. Um, I think they're probably good. I mean, how long has it been since we got the seeds? I don't know. It's got to be a month, right? Yeah, exactly. I think you're still fine. My perspective is if you could dry the... Is it? Are they actually in soil or are they in pots? No, they're in soil. They're in the uh, yard. Oh, man. Well, then they're but- just going to come up. They're going to come up when the conditions are right, and maybe you'll have a hot stretch and they'll just pop up through that. You know what? I'm going to get some more seeds from him tomorrow, and I'm going to go over. Yeah. My mom can grow anything, mm. and she's got just stuff. At, mostly, she's more flower. She doesn't mm-hmm. really do. But um, I'm going to give her some and plant them and just let her put them on the windowsill. My house mm. inside, the sun, it's like on 
on like the short ends of the house. Mm-hmm. So we don't get a lot of direct sun. Yeah, I think I'm going to do that because when football season comes around, oh, Thomas, they're so – you don't even have to watch football. You just have to mm-hmm. kind of feel that fall air. What kind of cheese do you eat with them? Oh, dude, those guys would buy like the crappiest like – You're talking American? Right. I'm talking like like horrible discount. I don't even know if mm. it's all like dairy. It's like mm. – <laughs> it's like this horrible cheese – and then, like, sometimes they'd splurge and have Cabot, you know. But um, nah, I, I don't know. I'd eat anything with them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I would eat, like, Fontina with them. Mm. Um, Do you know anyone with a greenhouse? Because, I mean, that was the trick that I used. I put them in the greenhouse for a period of time and just let them, you know, soak in the greenhouse. And then I took them out into the summer, you know, sun. Could so I make a could, mini greenhouse? You probably could. I mean, if you could probably do it with what you're doing indoors. My view is... You drench them for probably, I don't know, I drench them for a couple of weeks, just water, 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 daily, not, like, insanely, and then just put them out in the sun for maybe two or three days solidly. So, like, all the soil dried out and pop, they just came up. Okay. And that basically was the technique to bring them up. And it could be, I mean, I'm I'm imagining that Lee might have a technique associated with them, but that was the technique that I used. I kind of was suspicious that that was going to happen, which is why I started them in the greenhouse. I start most stuff in the greenhouse anyway, just because it's easier. But yeah, once I got the technique, they all came up. Like, yeah, all of them. Yeah, he's always, um, Lee has so many plants everywhere, mm-hmm. all over his house, outside, everything mm-hmm. in his little green room area. And he's just always like watering them. Even when he goes away, he finds someone to come over and water the mm-hmm. plants, which, you know, doesn't always happen. Mm-hmm. But um, maybe I should just take, well, I should just take some over and put them next to his, and then he'll just take care of them. <laughs> <laughs> if he's got a technique, use his technique. But that was my I, technique here. And, yeah, I, I've had a major – I mean, aside from the fact that they grow really slowly, which is just the nature of chilies. So. Yeah, right on. So how are we for time? One more topic or are you done? Yeah, let's do one more. Okay. Let's, let's throw out one of your topics. Misleading video game box covers. That was my topic. Oh, it was my topic. Yes. Oh, yeah. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. I know. It's, I, I've got a story behind this, but I'll let you tell yours first. God. It's, no, it's just all of them, man. I had this game skiing, which I like. I liked skiing. And I, I liked I liked skiing for the Intellivision. On the front, it is like these guys are racing down a mountain, dude. And mm-hmm. when you play it, it is not like that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's like you can't even look at the box cover. It's, like, so bad. It's sort of funny because now, like, the games are better than the box cover. So you still can't look at the box cover. Yes. It's gone the other direction. I got a grant from the Australian Film Commission in 1997 to work on my Project Noble Ape, and it was to make a video game. And when I got the grant, they said, you are allowed to be, the box art that you put on the video game is allowed to be twice as good as the actual graphics. No more, no less. There's like a defined ratio. And obviously someone through the Australian Film Commission had done some work and realised that this was like the video game box cover ratio. And when I started putting the graphics together, putting trees and things in the environment for the Noble Apes to go over, I couldn't actually get the twice as good thing. I just basically put out the, the cover art as it appeared in the game. But I thought that ratio always stuck in my mind that when you buy a video game, if it's... um. If the delta is so great, like the box cover art is like a real photo of someone skiing, and then like literally you're looking at character letters representing skiers moving down an ASCII slope, 
you know, if, if there's that kind of distinction, yeah. But, uh, I don't know. I think it's certainly a known phenomenon. It certainly exists in the contemporary video game industry as well. Classic topic. Brandon, it's always a pleasure. We'll record when we record, people. Listeners, you've been very patient. You've been very thankful for the content that you've received. Maybe next week. Who knows when other than that? Always a pleasure chatting, Brandon. We'll talk soon. Take care. Cheers.